1975, China, 86,000 dead immediately. 1938, China, 800,000 dead. 1887, 900,000 to 2 million dead. 1931, China, 1 to 4 million people dead. X time and X place soon to be found out between 750 million to 4 billion dead. What up, guys? My name's Jared. I'm back on The Uninformed Podcast, and I'm brought with you with Ethan. What up, dude? What up, what up? What up, what up? How you doing, Zach? Doing great. How are you doing, Jared? Not bad, not bad. How you doing, Jonah? Hey, buddy. Great to be back. It's a great day. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest. He has a doctorate in physical therapy, a cross-country <laughs> legend, and a connoisseur of baseball cards. May I introduce Michael? Half of that's true. Hello, guys. Hello, hello. <laughs> hey, so guys, I listed off a few deaths just now. And Ethan, I'd like you to take a guess on how these people died. Okay, I think China, that's going to be heavy government, heavy like censorship and stuff. So I'm going to say that they were like probably protesting or something and they were like killed. Hmm. Uh, no. These people uh, were, you're not close. These people were all killed by water. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. Wow. AKA a lot of water, which is known as a flood. These people were all dealt, uh, they were all killed by floods. Oh, dang. I was not even close. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to choose all China ones to kind of throw you off. But China has also had the worst floods in history. So in order of what I listed off, that is... The Rue River, the dam failed, 1975. And then the Yellow River flood uh, was both in 1938 and 1887. And the final one was also in China. And that was the Yellow River, the Yaqzi, and the Huai, which was one of the 4 million people that died. And our mysterious one that between 750 million to 4 million people or 4 billion people died is, drumroll please, Noah's Ark. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. What? So here's how we're going to do it. Zach, tell us what you know about Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. All righty. Uh, I know it was a story from the Bible. Um, and there's been uh, parody films of it, too. But uh, in any case, the story of Noah's Ark is pretty much that there, God told Noah that there will be a flood that will uh, end life as he knows it, as Noah knows it. So pretty much what Noah was tasked to do was to build an ark to save uh, like species of animals. And so he got one male, one female of every species put on the ark. And I believe he did get, did he get humans on the ark or is it just animals? Uh, I will reveal that soon. All right. Well, that's what I remember from it. And they were just like, you know, rode the flood, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all the information I had prepared, really. So okay. uh, nice. I, I oh. guess I got nothing left. Great podcast, guys. Yeah. Great if, you're, if your topic Perfect. is Noah's Ark, I do know some stuff. And I'm really excited <laughs> to hear. I'm really, really excited for this one. Perfect. Okay. So we're going to start with brass beginnings what's the saying brass tacks is that a thing 
Yeah. I've never heard of that. So get into the meat. Mm, The meat. So Noah in the flood. We're going to start. I'm going to explain it pretty much exactly what Zach said. I'm just going to re-say it in a prettier format. So the account, it was great. It was very pretty. So the account in the book of Genesis of how several generations after the life of Adam, the wickedness of people made God regret that he had created them. It made him resolve to send a flood that would destroy all the living creatures in the world. God decided to spare Noah and his family who lived virtuously and to allow them to repopulate the earth. God commanded Noah to build an ark, a large rudderless ship, and to take his wife, his three sons, and three daughter-in-laws into it, along with a pair of each of the earth's animals. When Noah had done so, God sent 40 days and 40 nights of rain until the entire globe was flooded and all living creatures were drowned. When the rain ended, Noah released a dove from the ark. When it returned with an olive branch in its beak, Noah knew that the waters had receded and that he and his family could begin a new life. After the ark came the rest on Mount Ariot, and Noah and the other people and animals left it, God then set a rainbow in the heavens as a sign that he would never destroy the world again by a flood. So that's our quick breakdown. That is the story of Noah's ark. So... You were pretty spot on, Zach. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So we're going to jump into a few things here. I think a lot of us uh, growing in the USA and Christianity being so huge has seen Noah's Ark as kids on TV, or if you watched Veggie Tales, or <laughs> you just shopped around Christmas time, you've seen Noah's Ark stuff out. And past what I said, the knowledge is kind of scarce. So we're going to start with just some cool fun facts about Noah's Ark and then dive into uh, supporting sides on both sides of Noah's Ark, more or less. Fun fact for you. My name, Jonah, is Hebrew for dove. So, really? Yeah. Really? Yep. True story. Do you ever <laughs> cry? That's bad when the doves cry. Yeah. I don't only over purple rain. Very good. Very good. <laughs> very good all right so let's start out with noah who is noah that's a great question so noah he's a 10th generation from adam so adam if we remember adam and eve were in a garden and they sinned and from there they repopulated the whole earth so 10 generations down that is where noah falls in line so cain and abel are the most famous kids and then you know, you just go down and then that's where we find them. Fun fact number two, after Noah turned 500 years old, his life got super interesting. And that's when he actually had kids. So after he turned 500, he was raising his family. And that's when God came to him and told him to build the ark. A hundred years passed by. So now after he's 600 years old, that's when God told Noah with his wife, his son, and then the three daughter-in-laws. So there's now eight people that they're all the ones that got on the boat. So that's everyone who's on the boat. So Tish, there were people. So eight people got on the boat. Okay. Yeah, I I remember hearing that now. Yeah. Perfect. Jonah, how big do you think the ark was? Uh, well, was it Evan Almighty where he built the, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. ark? That's what I was thinking. That one was yeah, I was thinking nice. about that too, yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, I can't even, uh, I don't have a guess for you. For you to be able to fit, you know, two elephants, two giraffes, uh, two of everything, 
I would uh, guess uh, the size of, let's call it uh, two football fields. Two football fields. I mean, that's, uh, that's actually pretty close. So the Bible records uh, measurements of cubits. Mr. Engineering Major Ethan, do you know what a cubit is? Yeah, it's a unit of measurement, a really old one. I think it's like a forearm from your elbow to your wrist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from the tip of your middle finger to the elbow. Okay. So around 18 to 21 inches, inches on average. So it was 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and then 30 cubits high. Pretty much it's a third of the size of the Titanic. Uh, if you compare it to a football field, I think it's like a few football fields. So they, they, they say that about 250 railroad stock cars could fit in it. So about like 20,000 to 4,000 animals roughly about the size of sheep. That's how many animals could fit. Another fun fact, there's about 300 cultures that agree that there was a catastrophic flood. So according to scientist, Dr. Dwan Gish, there's more than 270 stories about a catastrophic flood from cultures around the world. And most of them bear a lot of similarities to Noah and the ark. So one of the most famous <clears throat> is that of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Has anyone read it? I have. No. Uh, yeah, I have not, but I've definitely heard of it. All right, John. Could you, uh, I forgot the research. Can you tell me what the story is about again? Thanks, man. Ooh. No, I, it's one of those. I mean, I recognize the name and it's something I know I've read, but I don't really remember. It's one of those, you know, you've seen a movie, but you don't really remember what happens until you start, uh, you start watching it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, pretty much uh, picture the uh, Homer and the Iliad. It's a very similar-esque story, except in this case that Gilgamesh is like two-fifths human and three-fifths God. It's kind of like Zach in modern day life. This guy had super strength. He attracted all the women and he just had uh, a lot of wits about him. So that's who this guy Gilgamesh was. But that this is one of the most like famous. No, thanks. <laughs> that's one of the most famous if you want to hear more about that story, here's a quick plug. We now have Twitter. We got Instagram. We got Facebook. Come check us out. Leave a comment. Message us. And maybe we'll do a topic on that. I think that'd be fun to do. So leave a comment if you want. So anyway, moving on with our fun facts. The Bible does tell us where Noah's Ark landed, kind of. And it's the mountains of Ariat. It's a mountain range in Turkey. Many, many, many expeditions have searched for this ark over the years, and none of them have really found it. That's now going to jump us over to our big supporting story. Robert Ballard, the founder of the Titanic, went in search for also Noah's Ark. So in 2012, he pretty much went over to Turkey. This guy's an underwater archaeologist. He's been doing research archaeology for years. And basically, whenever he got over there, he came out with this giant study and said, guys, there's a very good chance that Noah's Ark could be real, which before that, there's not really any like substantial like evidence that people had found that really supported it, minus a book in the year 2000, suggesting claims of, of certain water rings and high tides and stuff like that. So pretty much this guy, Ballard's track record uh, was very well known. In 1985, uh, that's when they used submersible equipped with remote-controlled cameras, and they found the Titanic. 
So that's when he did that. And he said about 12,000 years ago, the world was covered in ice. And he discovered that again with his cameras. So moving forward, he dates it to around 5,000 BC as to when Noah's Ark happened. Who's still with me? me. Oh, I'm still here. Yeah, okay. let's go. Yeah, we're getting so, through this beef real quick. We're, we're, we're almost at modern day here. So pretty much he, he said that it was probably around like 5,000 BC. And so the reason he said that the Ice Age era about 12,000 years ago was important is because much of the world was covered in ice. And as global warming goes, it gets hot. The ice melted. It covered up much of the land and caused an intense rush of flooding which he says can be found because of geological evidence found like in the earth. And uh, they carbon dated the shells down in the ocean. And that's how they can tell. If you want to know more, you can Google it, but I'm not going to dip into that because it's just a lot of technical mumbo jumbo that I don't quite understand. So he goes on and on and on, but this was the big study that came out that kind of comes in support of Noah's art. Other than that, in terms of geological evidence, there hasn't been a ton of stuff found. Uh, The ship has yet to be found of people uh, wanting to find this to prove that it's true. Um, And there's many people on the other side saying that Noah's Ark has never happened. Um, So Noah's Ark is told in the Bible. So Christianity and many other faiths have a story very similar to it that they, they believe in. And people that do not believe in those often state that it's absurd claims that how could all those animals fit on a ship? What would they feed the animals while they were on the ship? How did they, you know, live? How did they feed themselves, et cetera, et cetera. How did the whole world get flooded? So those are both sides of the claim. So that catches us up and tells us about Noah's Ark. Questions? No questions, but good job, Jared. Wait, say that again. Nope, no questions for me. I'm following along. No, no, no. Say the last part again. Is that a good job part? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, was that even a I'm thing? I feel like I heard that was from the wind. I'm just messing. Sorry. Go ahead. You can say that. No questions. I'm following along. You're doing great so far, buddy. Oh, gee whiz, pal. Thank you. Let's ask this question. Why did God flood the world? I think I know. I'm not religious, but... Isn't it because he was angry with the humans or something? Mm-hmm. I thought humans were wicked and vile beings. Yeah, he, like, exactly. he wanted to wipe out a certain percentage of the population. Yeah. <laughs> 99.999%. <laughs> yeah. Just that that's, much. That's, that's how the story goes, right? Yeah. So pretty much the people had become too wicked and there was an evilness that he decided that he needed to wipe everyone out and Noah was righteous enough. And Noah was also very good at building boats, which is another reason that some people theorize that Noah was selected. But for that reason, him and his wife and the six, the three kids, three boys and the three wives were sent to repopulate the earth. The story of the flood. Uh, it's told in Genesis. That's in the Bible, chapter six through nine. And this passage starts with a strange description of the son's God's and daughters of men seemingly producing the Nephilim. Mixed in with this is God's response to the wickedness of the world and his determination to destroy it all. Following this was God's instruction to Noah, 
That's when he built the boat and had all the animals bored onto it. God was going to be sending the massive flood. So at that point, Noah built it and the rain happened. And then Noah offered a sacrifice afterwards. And God responded by committing himself to never destroy it again. Repeating that, let's rule out a few alternatives uh, as to why, why did God flood the world? In Genesis 6, 6, it says that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So in response, God determined to destroy all life on earth. It would be easy to see this and see a God who was caught off guard by how sinful humanity had come and a God who became so angry, he decided to wipe out the whole mess and start over again. It's hard to reconcile that with a God who is omniscient, who knows the future pretty much. The other alternative, the most obvious answer to the question of why God flooded the world is the one given twice in the first few verses, Genesis chapter six, verses five through seven. So in that, it tells us that the Lord saw how wicked humanity became, that every inclination in our hearts was to do evil. And he determined to wipe us from the face of the earth. Genesis chapter six, verses 11 through 13 says the exact same thing giving the instructions of Noah and saving a remnant of life on the earth. The charge that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil at the time. Some people theorize it was slightly exaggerated. It clearly describes a condition of extreme rebellion against God. So most people, uh, even rebellion against God, are still living decent lives. Uh, a less obvious alternative as to why God flooded the earth, but there's a strange cult following online that seems to very, very hardcore believe in this theory is basically, so in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, it has a puzzling passage. And some people think that it was just an in incidental story that the author of Genesis decided to just fill up different words. But some people, like these people, very much buy into it. So pretty much in the first four verses, there are three specific groups mentioned. There's the sons of gods, the daughters of humans, and then the Nephilim. The Nephilim are angels that descended down and then wanted to breed with humans. So that's what the Nephilim are, that they came down and wanted to breed with the humans. And God sees this as wickedness, uh, that the angels did this, and how the world, if he knows the future that how it would get to a certain evil because the angels came down and interfered. So that's pretty much why, just because there was that sexual union between that. So the sixth and seventh chapters of the first book of Enoch describes that scenario as well. Uh, and then a group of angels called watchers came down and had sex with human women. The children were then giants who prayed to humans and taught humans things that they were never supposed to know. That's another example that there, there's a very strong following online that some people also theorize as to why God did flood the earth. One final thought on why God flooded the earth comes from 2 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 6, and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. So those passages, they both look at historical events described in the scripture. Both passages describe punishment as being an example to us. And that's pretty much it. All right. Let's get to the good stuff. Who's with me? I'm with you. I'm still here. I'm with you. Where's <laughs> our special guest, huh? 
I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> it's very special. <laughs> yo, yo, let me single. Let me single the special guest out first. Yeah, Ooh, do that. Like it. Do Ooh, it. Come on, hot seat. Welcome to the show, Mike. <laughs> I'm here. You're right, really gonna I'm flood ready. him with a question? Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Mike, how how spicy of a question do you want? Give him a ten, man. man. Ten. You don't ten. Care? Spice level ten. Spicy. Give him a ghost reaper or a Carolina reaper. Let's All right, go. So, Mike, here, here's the question. So, how can God be good if He drowned babies in Noah's flood? And killed potentially up to four billion people to save the lives of eight people. Uh, this is religious now. Uh, let's that's have, a, let's that's have a spicy a religious, question there. Let's have a religious person answer and then a non-religious person answer. See how the answers differ. Uh, I thought that was some fun idea. I mean, I, I don't know, Jared. That's a tough. That's a tough question. I feel like there's a lot of things that people can look at at the world and question. You know why God would let this happen, you know, if you believe in that or to the people who do believe in that. I think it all just comes down to what it says in the Bible that how like sin entered the world. And um, when sin enters the world, then we become separate from God. There's a gap and there's a bridge. So I don't know if that really answers your question or not, but once we, I don't know. So if there's sin in the world, then we are disconnected from God and that's why he did what he did. Ethan or Tish, do you have thoughts on that question? Can you repeat the question? How can God what? be good at watching babies? And no, it's Oh, but, well, because uh, he's good because he's God. But he's missing an O. So he's not good. No, but he's good because uh, it, he, ki- he killed the bad people, but he. But he saved just the one, the good people, right? Is that how that's the story? I didn't read. I don't know, man. I didn't read this. I didn't do the homework. I didn't do it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Fair enough. So I'll jump into something. There's something that uh, it's not specifically stated uh, in the Bible. But uh, when you're looking at Noah's Ark and that question kind of comes up uh, just of the, the sides of Noah's Ark of there's no way this happened. Yes, this definitely happened. And it just becomes the question of like, God killed this many people. Uh, some people uh, look at something called the age of accountability. So with the babies, basically the age of accountability is children are not held accountable by God, by sin until they reach a certain age. And then if the child dies before reaching the age of accountability, that by the grace and mercy of God, the, the child is saved. So even religious people kind of differ on their thoughts on if the age of accountability. So Jenna, let me ask you a question. Why did God send the flood when he knew sin would continue after the flood? I believe you stated earlier that it was set as a a warning and a reminder of a, what he's capable of. And um, just like a, a, well, I guess a reminder to humans what God is capable of, um, but also a warning of what could come. Yeah, that's good. Fair enough. All right, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to jump back to just some other uh, tidbits then, uh, which I feel like these are more practical thinking. Noah's art. So this giant boat, how could it fit all these animals? Like how many animals did it fit? It's theorized that 
there could have been potentially up to millions and millions and millions of animals. And then God said two of every clean animal and seven of every unclean animal. And then two of every bird. So that way they can reproduce once they come back onto the land. So with that being said, it can reach the point of billions of animals. So that's potentially how many animals it could have been. Other people also theorize that when these stories were wrote, that the whole entire world was actually just the area that they were in at the time. And to them, they viewed that as the world. So that's how some people kind of rationalize for that. Uh, whereas others say that it was the whole entire world. And in the Bible, it says that it was to the heavens that rain filled the whole entire earth. So there's that question. Yeah. What kind of animals are we talking about? I don't know anything about like the histories of like animals, but like what kind of animals are examples? That's a good question. It's whatever yeah. animals lived in the Middle East. <laughs> so yeah, technically uh, I know uh, ravens and doves because they were on the boat and they were sent to land. But aside from that, literally every single animal that was on land so there were cats, there were dogs, there were hippos, there were no aquatic animals. They stayed in the water. But picture any land animal that's pretty much here today was mostly here at, the, at this time as well. Another question basically of how did they feed them is that Noah would catch fish. He salted and dried meats. Uh, there were carnivore animals that needed meats. And specifically like cats, they need something called taurine and stuff like that. And if they go too long without it, the animals can die, which those can be found in types of nuts and different kinds of seeds and everything like that. So it said that it doesn't state in the Bible what he did feed them. It did say that he was struggling at one point worrying how he was going to feed them. But that's kind of all it states for that. Pretty much that's Noah's Ark. There's a lot of a lot of information kind of on Noah's Ark, whether you're a Christian or even not a Christian and you believe in Noah's Ark, or even if you are a Christian and you don't believe in Noah's Ark. Uh, there's a lot of supporting stuff on different sides, and it's all very interesting. So definitely take a look. Look at some passages in the Bible, and it states a little more about it. Look at sources online. You can find geologists that support and don't support it. All right, guys, that's just about all I got for Noah's Ark. Thoughts, comments, questions? Yeah, so I, I was really big on this stuff, like I said, about a year ago. And there's this cool, like, uh, this channel on YouTube that does, um, it's like a group of historians that do, um, they just look at a bunch of old old texts and old documents, and they have a bunch of uh, videos and info on the whole, on the Bible. And so I was really into that, like I said, but so there's, they did a section on Noah's Ark, of course. And so basically the, the Bible is just, it's, you know, it's a conglomeration of many tales and stories over what, thousands of years. It was written by many people, many different people who had uh, their hands authored the Bible um, over a long period. Anyways, the, the Noah's Ark one's interesting. So a lot, a lot of stories in the Bible, just like any old document, any old text for any religion, not, not just Christianity, but they all have old uh, tales. They have epics. They're called legends, epics, folk tales. And um, basically, the, the, the uh, point of these stories is to convey a message and convey 
you know, history in a certain way. And of course, specific details cannot be maintained over thousands of years. But I remember hearing, and I don't have it in front of me, I remember hearing like what you said, Jared, like many religions have uh, uh, documentation about a big flood. Yeah, 270 um, cultures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, the, the, and, and, and it's like so you can find remnants, of, like, like you mentioned, of, of a big flood too. So that's, I think that's awesome. Um, and then the whole like uh, part where it's the whole world, of course, it probably wasn't the whole world, is, you know, the people that <clears throat> were writing the Bible at the time. It was their whole world. So it was probably a large portion of the world, but, you know, probably just a localized flood. It could have been. And then the whole point about like the rest of the story from, from what the historians say is, of course, that cannot be like, it can't be proven. It could, there could be a guy who built a boat that put animals on it for sure. And there probably was a flood. So I think that's cool. That's pretty much all I have. <laughs> Yeah, but that's awesome, though. I mean, like that there there probably was a flood and um, there probably was a guy who built a big boat to put some animals on it. Yeah. Fun fact about the wood. It was called gopher wood, which pretty much no one has been able to translate the text in the Bible or uh, the tablets. It's actually on stone tablets that you can see it wrote long ago, which it's most commonly people think that it's cypress wood. I figured you might know what that is. I do woodworking. Yeah, <laughs> you dabble a little bit. Yeah, and then devil's advocate to the point you said is devout Christians believe that you need to believe in every word of the Bible or else you won't make it into heaven. So that is, I think, where kind of the, the divide sometimes comes as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Hey, so can I just echo one more thing that Ethan said? Kind of like he was saying, there, there's so many details, there's so many stories in the Bible, whether you believe every word or you don't believe a single word, you can kind of boil it down to all of the stories have some sort of moral or lesson in it. Yeah, so that's whether, terrible, you believe, right? yeah. whether you believe that story or not, well, you, you can take a lesson from the story. Um, and I think that's kind of the bigger picture here. So religious, non-religious, wherever you're at everybody can find a different meaning in that story and relate it to themselves, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, it is pretty right. interesting. Yeah. It almost doesn't even matter if you believe it or not, because you still can get the moral from it, whether it's true or not. You can get yeah. it. You can, That's you right. can apply it to your daily life, religious or not religious, Christian or Muslim. All right, what, so what is the moral of Noah's Ark? What is the moral of that story? One of you Christian boys... If you're asking from a, a Christian point of view, I would say that the moral of it is that God reminded us of what he was capable of and what he could do again. If he viewed like he felt there was so much evil in the world. If we get to a point in society where he feels there's so much evil again in the world, who knows what he could do if he would do another extinction level event or something like that. Um, but on, on, on a personal note, just, you know, I could have a different, uh, I could take something different from the story that's not based off my religious view of it, which, you know, if you're not religious, you would just take that personal view. All right, guys. So I think that about wraps it up. That's Noah's Ark. That's the Great Flood. Thanks awesome. for tuning in. And we will see you guys next week.
Bye. Bye. Au revoir. Bye.